Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. On this episode, Tom chats with Bryn Johnston, the manager of client success and fulfillment with All Point Shredding and Medical Waste based in Stewart, Florida. In this episode, Bryn talks about inside sales for shredding, the different sales tactics for winning more deals, and specific ways she's found to improve the process. Bryn Johnston, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm Tom. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good to have you here. So right off the bat, tell me about your role, your company, where you work. Give me a sense of what you do every day. Sure, sure. So I work for All Points Mobile Shredding. My official title is Client Manager of Client Success and Fulfillment. Basically, wow. Manager of Client Success and Fulfillment. Okay, there's, there's a lot packed in there. So there tell me is. more. <laughs> yes. So basically, it's a little bit of an inside sales position, but it also encompasses customer service. I've kind of created this role for the company. It started off as just like client care specialist is where I started. And then we created this team that basically encompasses the whole process from the sales call through operations, making sure that, you know, the jobs are booked the correct way, and then also kind of managing the whole sales process through sales, through operations, and then full circle back around to make sure that, you know, left the client happy or are they going to use us again? So that's pretty much what my team does. And it. So it's, this, it's, it's sales, but it's also the service process through through the service being delivered and then ongoing sales back into moving them back into either recurring or their next purge or whatever that may be. Right. That's the goal. So that's the fulfillment piece on the position. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So let's dig a little bit into what got you here, because sometimes, you know, you're sitting in this role and, and that's a cool role. But how long have you been at all points? How and when did you enter the shredding industry? Give me a little bit of the backstory that led to where you are today. Sure, sure. So I've, I've been with all points where it'll be two years in April. So, okay. yeah. And before that, I was kind of I, I've done I've done a whole number of things. Most recently, I owned my own hair salon up in Pennsylvania. Decided to close. I didn't close that. Actually, I sold that. So it's still up and running. And then when we moved down to Florida, I kind of looked for a position that was similar to what I used to do back in my early 20s. I was doing account management for a telecommunications. So I was looking for that customer service account management piece. So the client care specialist position spoke to me. Never done anything with shredding before. So this is, you know. First time in the industry. So shredding's new for you, it is. Um, but you have a history of, it sounds like, entrepreneurship and account management experience. So, all right. So that gives us a good foundation to explore where we're going to go today. So let's start with the inside sales part of the role that you play, the the incoming, the stuff that's coming to you, something I've heard you're extremely effective at. So I, I'm really intrigued <laughs> and interested about you sharing some things that work for you. So just just right off the right off the start when you started this and came into this, what were some of the things that became immediately evident to you about selling shredding as you picked up the phone? What did you learn? What kind of experiences did you have from that 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 lead you into where you've you've grown into, but let let's go back to when you first started. What 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 showed up for you? What seemed to happen? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I had to learn about shredding because I feel like you can't sell something or confidently talk about something when you don't understand what it is. So, and not being from the industry or having any knowledge that it was even a, you know, something that was offered to, to businesses or, or residential. I had no idea. 
So I learned all about it, found it very interesting. And then, you know, I feel like once you have confidence in what you're doing, it's easy to talk about. So the role when I first started, you know, I, there's many different ways that leads come in to all points. So we take those leads and, you know, you're listening to the customer's needs on the phone. And so to me, it was more of, and it, it is, it's exactly inside sale. It's, it's a soft sale. It's, you know, listen to them, let them talk. So you want to definitely do more listening than you are selling. Cause I feel like that helps you then relate back to the client, know what their needs are, be able to fulfill the need for them. And, and if that's what you're doing, then the sale part comes easy. But it also gives you the knowledge of knowing, you know, is this going to be a one-time thing? Is this going to be something they might need ongoing? Just those questions always pop into my head whenever I'm on a call. And something like that has just kind of come natural to me, which I've learned that okay. maybe doesn't come natural for everybody. But it just, so I try, try to teach that to my team that, you know, you really want to listen and let these things kind of go through your head as they're talking. And then it helps you through the sales process. So the call comes in and you've obviously done it as a practitioner now, and now you're leading people doing it, but how do you, how do you process through a call? Do you, it, so there's the listening part and hearing them out, but do you work through like a, a sales document, a sales sheet, a process? Do you have a, a predefined process you're trying to move someone through? Yes, we do. We have a sales script. So for anybody new in the position, we definitely want to somewhat follow that that script to the best that we can. And really the goal of the script is to make sure that we're getting all the necessary information we need from the client on the call. So until they're comfortable kind of doing that on their own and making sure that they're still getting that information, I'm pretty, you know, it's pretty important that they follow, which is, right. you know, getting the customer's information off the bat. So when we answer the call right off the bat, we're going to get their their name right off. Because what we say is, thank you for calling all points. This is Bryn. Who am I speaking with? So mm. you're getting their, their name right off the bat. So that's, you know, that's creating that level, you know, that personal level because they can call them by their name throughout the call. When they ask, you know, I'm interested in your shredding service. Can you tell me more about it? We kind of redirect back to, sure, I'd love to tell you more about our services in case we get disconnected. Can I get a phone number for it? For it. So then we know that we have their information. You know, if they don't close on the first call because they need to check with their husband or they're just not ready, we have contact information to call them. That's so important. Got it. Okay. You have a script. It sounds like there's a script sitting there, but as you're processing through that, are like, are you literally writing their name down on a sheet of paper? What's, yeah. what's your, like, yeah. like so I, I want your really practical process. Yeah. We did. We had, uh, we used to have paper intake forms is what they were called intake forms. And it had literally the client's name, paper amount, phone number, email, address, all the stuff that you're going to need. It's now an electronic form, um, so you can, you know, if it's easier for you to have that pulled up as you're taking the call and typing it in, that's fine. I refer back to my notebook and I take a ton of notes while I'm on a phone call. And then when I'm off the phone call, I, I enter it and I find that to be the way that it works for me. Got it. So, so the call comes in and you're processing through this and whether you're doing it on paper in some type of intake form or you're using a CRM system, you're, you're immediately translating the information that you're getting in terms of the questions into a database of some kind, whether yes. it's paper that goes in database. Yes. So, so how do you maintain, and maybe you're just really good at this, but how do you maintain sort of both being present to the conversation and taking the notes? I, I'm, I'm always intrigued by that. <laughs> Does it? it definitely takes practice. Yeah, because you can be easily distracted if you're really trying to make sure that you get what you need from them and you're not fully listening. I think that just comes with practice. 
Okay. And, and knowing okay. what the information that you need. Once you're comfortable knowing what you need from them, you can kind of direct the conversation the way you needed to go to get the information that you need. But I definitely think that's a skill that is learned. <laughs> learned, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you get the information and it sounds like you, instead of just selling, you go into a questioning process about, tell me what you're looking for. What are you, why, why are you calling today? Mm -hmm. And is the purpose there to really extract as much immediate knowledge as you can about what, what, what's, what's in your thinking behind that process? Like, what are you trying to achieve there? Yeah. I mean, get as much information as you can. We can't fully quote a service or understand what their needs are if we don't know what we're working with. So we definitely ask right off the bat, where, where are you located? Cause that makes a difference. Our pricing is different based on location. So we definitely want to know right off the bat where you're located. And it eliminates if they're calling from outside our service area. Why waste our time on a 15-minute phone call and alert at the end? Oh, my goodness, you're not even in our area. <laughs> so right, right, you're in California. Right, yeah. So it just doesn't important. work very well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> definitely one of the first things we ask is where are you located? And okay. we kind of word it as, you know, we'd love to work on a quote for you. So let me just get some more information from you. Where are you located? How much paper do you have? Because again, can't price it until we know, you know, paper amount because mm -hmm. that also changes the pricing. So the thought process behind it is to get all the right information in order to quote it the best way that we can to win the job. Because different factors come in too. I mean, you're talking about, are they upstairs? How much time is it going to take if we have to go up and down an elevator when we're quoting? Do we have to manually go up and down stairs if there's no elevator? All these things come into pricing because it's not only based on Paper amount and location, but the amount of time we're going to be at each job. So I, 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 I've always wondered this because, I mean, I, you know, years ago when I, when I ran a business, we had a pretty small service area. What I know about you is you've got a relatively large service yes. area. So like somebody says they're in Boca of all mm -hmm. places, are, are you able to like very quickly go, oh, I know roughly where that is. And that's in a zone that we're in all the time. Or is it just the general area that helps you shape a definition of whether they fit or not? Or is that outside of a parameter of an easy run versus a hard run? Like, do you have a map up on your desk? Like, what, how are you dealing with it? Not anymore. In the beginning, I did. I definitely did. Okay. And coming from Pennsylvania, I think that was maybe one of my struggles in the beginning. I don't know this, you know, area in and out. So I really studied the map at first. Okay. And just from doing it, I kind of learned the the demographic of each area where where we can sell and what can we sell for and you know, what is the market calling for in each area? So it was quick, quickly that I learned, okay, you know, down south. We can't sell it for the pricing that we can sell kind of up here. The market just doesn't call for it. We're losing jobs less ready. So we adjusted. Right. Okay. Um, so so, so it's not just. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. a map up. I needed to, to see kind of where we are now. I kind of just know. I'm like, okay, pretty much by county though. So we can kind of do it that way. For the new people, we can mm. say, okay, Miami has this price. Broward County is at this price. And we're north up here. We have you know, our pricing. Got it. Okay. So, so you do this whole process, you get all the information you need. When do you move from information gathering to selling or closing or something like that? And how do you think about that, that switch or is there a switch for you? Yeah, there's definitely a switch. And it's, it's funny that even over the phone, you can kind of get a sense of whether or not how they feel about that pricing, just mm. little verbal cues or a hesitation or, you know, anything. And then I can pick up on it like, okay, maybe, you know, 
I can kind of flip it to if they're a little hesitant, you know, was that pricing, you know, what you were looking for? Or, you know, I can work on a discount because you actually have a good amount of paper. So I might give them my standard pricing, sense some hesitation and be like, you know what, based on the amount of paper you have, and if we can get you on this day, you know, we could offer you a discount. Mm. Sometimes that'll work. So then I think that switches, like once we give this the pricing, and it also depends on how the call goes. Sometimes it'll be, you know, if they tell me right off the bat, it has to be on this day. Well, if it has to be on that day, well, we could probably make that work for you, but the pricing is going to be this. So, you know, right. and that's, I think, where the switch goes to the sale piece. Yeah. So w once you get to that place, then you move over into almost defining the order, right? It's almost like you you go, okay, well, this day versus this day, this much, then here's the pricing I can deliver. And you're still late listening for information, but that's the moment it seems like you're switching into, can I sell this person? Can this person, and, and is there it, like, is there something you've learned, which is helpful? Like, is it, is there a statement that you sort of default to that says, okay, can I put you on the books for Wednesday at noon? Something like, is there something like that that yeah. has been helpful to you? I think I usually try to get, while I'm still information gathering, you know, what's your timeline look like for this project? Is something mm. I say a lot. Just to get an idea, well, 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 I'm not sure my boss is happy just like asking right now. We don't really know. Or it's like, yes, I need this done by the end of the week. Um, so that really helps me kind of know where am I at? Am I going to be able to get this done on the first call? If not, mm. I need to be maybe a little more salesy and say, okay, I understand you're not ready, but you know what? Our schedule is filling up really fast and we might want to just get you on a date. If it doesn't end up working out or your boss doesn't want to move forward for that day, we can always cancel you or reschedule you. There's no fee for so mm. then at least we're getting mm. a lot of the schedule and typically we're getting it done and then we don't have a ton yeah. of schedules or cancels. Nice. Nice. Okay. So that, that, that's a, lot, a little bit about the sales process. Take me back into some other things. Like, do you try and sell using website chat? I know chat is a big tool now in the world of service marketing and service sales. How do you use website chat and do you follow the same kind of formula or give me, give me a sense of your website chat? Process. We do. So we do the chat. A lot of the girls here in the office are scared of the chat. <laughs> so oh. they kind of just fall to me like, hmm, can you help me out? I don't know what it is. I don't find it intimidating to me. It gives me a little bit more time to think about what I want to say, but I don't know. For some reason, it scares them. But yeah. it's a little bit more of a hard sale. I would definitely say it's very hard to read somebody through a chat. You don't know. Right. So, but it's the same, same process. It's, you know, as soon as they're chatting, it's, hey, we'd love to work on a quote for you. Where are you located? What mm. I love is we do get chats more often than full calls out of the service area. So take care of that off oh, the bat. Okay. And then it's, you know, how much paper do you have? When are you looking to get this done? Can we get you added to the schedule? But if it gets to a point where there's too many questions, it, it looks like a difficult job. I'm also, do you mind if I give you a quick phone call? And I really right. do try to move that to the phone because... Yeah. We, yeah. It's just, well, really that, hard that makes close. a lot of sense because that, that indicates once you move to phone, now, now you have, you have a much higher likelihood of closing this deal because you've stepped up the seriousness of the intent at that point, if they're willing to have the conversation. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I did okay. find, oddly enough, adding my picture to the live chat has helped tremendously because then they know who they're talking to. So we didn't have that for the longest time. And I asked, you know, Ryan and Don Dylan if I had my picture out here and I feel like it's made a little bit of a difference and add that personal like, touch to it. That's really cool. That's a, that's a great tip right there for anybody else using it. So 
one of the things you said at the beginning is if if they don't close at that particular point, then they go into some kind of cycle. How do you think about what happens if they don't close? Like, do you have sort of a timeline that you're reaching back to them? What's oh, yeah. your process for that? We definitely do. So it's very important that the wholesale team, again, ask that question, what is your timeline? Or some form of that to try to find out what it is. Because it really, we were finding, we used to, when I first started, it was just a straight process. Like you follow up every single day until you get a no. But at this point, we've kind of moved to, we just have a lot of opportunities in there and we cannot be calling everybody every day. So we want to find out what is your timeline because that kind of sets our follow-up. So everything goes into our CRM. We're using Spiro right now. We're transitioning out of that. We can talk about that if you want to, but <laughs> we're using Spiro for now. So everything goes in as an opportunity and then it allows you to set the follow-up date. So depending on what they said, that's when we'll set the follow-up for. And it could be different. Everyone's different. If we don't, different lead sources are different because we've paid, you know, different money for it. So we want to make sure we're really on top of, say, a Shrimp Nations. We partner with them. Yeah. And when we get leads from them, we know we're making sure we're following up because we know other companies are calling them. So that type right. of thing gets right. every day until Got we it. get a no. And, and is... Let's say that you or one of your staff members, one of your sales or inside sales team takes the initial conversation. Are they the one that does the follow up or is it is it whoever whoever is in the system? Yeah, doing not necessarily. So we all kind of work out of the same system. So we make sure you're. Notes are thorough in our CRM so that if somebody else needs to follow up, that your notes are, are well written and and it actually kind of helps the sale, I think, a little bit. Sometimes if you've been reaching out quite a few times and not getting a response, having somebody else call and be like, hey, you know, I know you spoke to Jennifer, just seeing, mm. you know, if you want to move forward, or if there's anything we can do to earn the business. So I think having multiple people is a good thing. Got it. So what else do you do from a sales perspective to help you ensure you win as many sales as possible? I mean, there's, is there anything else that you're adding to the mix that helps to win more sales than you might have done previously? Or are, are there any little hacks that you're using? Not to give away things, because <laughs> I, I don't want you to give away any company secrets, but <laughs> there may be things you're, that are more generic in nature that you've found tend to work. We'll do a mix of when we're following up, we'll do a mix of email and, and a phone call. Phone calls definitely are better. And you're, you're going to get just much more of a personal response from you know, right away, we're sending out email proposals, even if they don't ask for it. You know, if they don't close on the first call, it's always, well, here, let me send you, um, let me send you an email. It'll have my contact information. It'll have the pricing that mm -hmm. I gave you that way. When you're ready, you know, you have it all right there. You can just give us a call or just easily reply to this email and we'll be happy to get you set up on the schedule. So I think that's helpful because oh, then we're, we're gathering their email and their phone number. We have multiple different ways to follow up. And then, you know, it's adjusting if it's not closing on the first call. I always will, you know, or after a couple follow-ups, it's, you know, where do we need to be? What what was the person you were expecting? Let me see if mm. I can get approval. What do we need to do to earn your business? All the things that we ask on the follow-ups. So. Right. That's great. Really good. Really good. And then even right. after, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, even after it's lost, we have a system. So. Oh, yeah, even if it's lost, we um, put them into um, what we call click to sell, which is a drip campaign, because a lot of times they don't remember who they used in the past. So the next time they're looking for shredding, they might think they've used us and they've gotten an email from us recently, just, you know, giving them some more information about our company or checking in and saying, you know, you've used us in the past. We'd love to end your business again and just 
doing stuff like that, sending out our newsletter. So we make sure that every mm. every email we get is going into something so that we're touching clients even if we don't win at that time. Oh, um, that's really, that's so good. So and if good. it's a recurring client, we are we are definitely setting follow-ups in our own CRM that we didn't win it this time, but we know, okay, they signed with a different company on this date for a year term. We're following up in nine months, checking in, how's that service going? If you'd like to make a switch, you probably have to get out of your agreement now and we'd love to give you an updated quote. So those are all yeah. the things. Yeah, it, which was leading me into a question that I'm sorry, I, I jumped in on you, but do you treat a business client different than a residential client? Is there some type of internal switch that says I'm willing to I'm willing to go harder at a business client than a residential oh, who sure. I've lost? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And and the paper amount and the, the amount of the opportunity in itself, you know, we'll follow up exponentially on a large purge. But if it's, you know, a minimum purge, there's only so many times. And if we're not, we're right. just not going to waste our time. So yeah, so yeah, definitely. Got it. Yeah. Especially when you have, when you have enough leads coming in, you can afford to be, you can afford to lean towards more of those bigger opportunities, obviously, sure. than the ones that are that, you know, grandma with a small bag of paper, <laughs> nothing wrong with grandma with a small bag of paper if she's willing to pay the minimums, but it's right. not, it doesn't become a priority then. So right. that's And great. it didn't always used to be when I, you know, just in the two years that I've been here, I mean, it was every opportunity we were following up on because you know, they were few, fewer right. and now it's gotten way busier and we can be a little bit more selective, which is nice. So you also, you, you have a role of client success, right? Their yeah. customer success. Did I write that down right? Uh, yes. I'm the manager of client success and fulfillment. Got it. Client success <laughs> and fulfillment. So client success and fulfillment, it, it, it's something that I, I hear in many companies, which is there's this rub between operations, which has to deliver the service mm -hmm. and, and sales team, which sells the service, but you're positioned differently in this. It sounds like there's a slightly different positioning. So how do you ensure in the role that you play uh, within the company, how do you ensure that operations and sales work in unison or in concert versus fighting each other all the time. That's tricky. It's definitely tricky because you are not real that there can be, um, you know, the full divide between sales and ops. We want to sell, sell, sell. And they're the ones that have to actually figure out how we're going to get the job done. Right. So they're welcome to a point where like, they're like, no, no, we can't do this. And I'm like, oh, but we can. <laughs> so there's always going to be that little divide. But I think for us, um, some of the tools that we do in my role, I've been sitting in on the operations meetings. So I think understanding mm. the operation side and vice versa, ops, understanding the sales side and that we have quotas and we have numbers to meet if we're not selling, you know, and they're there to support us. And we've really been able to to make sure that the ops wants to support sales and sales wants to help ops. So that we've been working on like big time. So I have been sitting in on the operations meeting and then taking mm. back any feedback of things that, you know, might be going on out in the field that they're seeing that might help us sell or ask the right questions when we're selling a job, you know, I'll take that back to my sales. And then in the mornings, every day, we're, we have a 10, try to keep to a 10, 15 minute powwow in the morning of ops will tell us, okay, here's some holes we're seeing, or here's, you know, some feedback that we got from the drivers on so just Real quick, though, it's not supposed to be, you know, it's not like the operation thing, but just a real quick powwow that they'll support us and be like, hey, you know, here's where we, we need some holes filled. And that's been super uh, helpful. Oh. So holes filled by, and by that, you mean, we've got a, we've got a, a route here that needs mm -hmm. to be filled. Please make sure you fill this as quickly as possible. Yeah. And and is that just today or is that in, uh, not just today, but is that over like 
as they're planning out the route for the next couple of Yeah, of we try days. to do it about that's a week snapshot. Got it. Okay, that's morning. really cool. Like, here's what we're looking okay. for this weekend. We do it literally every day because we still, you know, we're selling so much into it. You know, what happened on, you know, this morning, by tomorrow, some of those holes are filled and we don't want to oversell either. So, yeah, been- yeah. So it's, it's really about efficiency. So one of the things I hear you saying is there's a, there's a really cool process that you're doing now, which is communicating back and forth, sales and ops, communicating back and forth, but understanding the holes that they have and understanding the need, they are understanding what you're trying to do and what you're producing and what you're seeing, obviously, because that's going to change how they start thinking about efficiency of the routes that they're building even into the week ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we strategically uh, planned our sales and operations meetings. Operations will meet for half an hour on Tuesday and Thursday, and then our sales meeting is on Wednesday. So when I sit down Tuesday, I can get some things to bring into the sales meeting, get the feedback from sales and go back to ops on Thursday. Oh, nice. That's really, that, that's so good. So good. So what else have you learned in terms of the role you play? Because there seems to be a, uh, this role that you're playing touches sales. It intersects with operations, but then it comes back around to ongoing sales, but it's that client fulfillment piece. So tell me a little bit more about the fulfillment part of this, the 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 client success part of it. Yeah, the goal of that is to make sure, you know, we're, we want to provide the best possible service we can, right? So that's making sure that we are doing that. So our team, you know, not only from the sale, but through fulfillment and then following up after the fact. So we want to make sure we're getting a five-star Google review from it. Mm. We want to make sure we know what the next steps are with that client. So it's, you know, touching after, you know, how is the service? Would you give us a five-star review? Is this something you're going to need in the future? Or is this a one-time, you know, you're moving out of state and then we know. So then, you know, once we can kind of close that circle, you know, then we're, our sales funnel is, it's, it's complete. You know, it's in there. Right. We know we have another follow-up set. This is something they're going to do yearly. Great. Let's add that in there. So now we have, you know, hey, and we did this purchase for you last year. Are you interested in doing it again this year? Um, it just adds that personal touch to it that I think has been missing. You know, we, we're not just order takers. We want these clients to use us, you know, every right. year. Right. And so are you now, because you've been at this for a while, are you starting to see the the fruits of that approach where, You've done the follow-up. You've gone through the process of selling them, fulfilling that initial order. Now going into the review and follow-up process, communicating with, are you now seeing that create benefit for you? We Um, are starting to, yeah. We are starting to, and it's not perfect yet. Like I said, I mentioned a little earlier, we are switching softwares, which is going to give us a lot more vision right now. The tools that sales are using are a little bit separate from operations, so we can't fully see everything yet, but our new software is hopefully going to allow us to do that. But just even being here in the two years that I'm here, certainly, I mean, customers will reach out, you know, personally and, you know, saying, you know, we loved you and we used you last year because you were so amazing. You know, we're going to use you again. So definitely have seen some, That's some great. rise That's in business great. because of that. Sure. So let, let's assume that there's a whole bunch of people listening who might be smaller than what all points is. There may be a one or two truck uh, operation, but they really want to implement some of the, the things that you're doing. What, what would you say to the owner of a company who's, who's really interested in this inside sales, customer service, customer success? What, 
advice might you give them? What steps might you recommend in, in, from the insights that you've had now over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think our owners do a really good job of where we spend our dollars for marketing. So I think that's important with inside sales because we need the phones ringing. We need the leads coming in, right? Oh, that's what's most important. So we really track all of our lead sources closely so that we know where we spend our money and where it's, where it's returning to us. So I think that's important. And it's getting the right person in the role for sure. You know, and if you're starting off small, it's just getting somebody who truly cares about the customer experience. Mm. Not just, I mean, because you can hire, when you hear sales, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, you're getting super sales, sales people who just want to get the sale and, and don't care. And I think in this position, you really need somebody that's both, that, that they can, right. they can soft sell, but they also truly care. And it's a, they're fulfilling a need for the client. They want to make them, I mean, that's important. Yeah. So understand the investment you make in marketing, where it goes and track that. So there is enough flow of leads coming in, then having the right person in the role who cares about the people who are calling and the result of this. Sure. What any any other recommendations you'd make to them? Um just making sure you have a good process too. Mm -hmm. You know, that that script on the initial call is is pretty important. Again, hundred percent getting their information. Do not get off a phone call without having a way to contact that person. That's a huge fail. You just paid for a lead and there's no way that this client you there's no way to get them back. So that's right. very important. But, but, I can only imagine if you're like me. So I go into places where I'm willing to spend dollars. Like I, I actually walk in, I've driven somewhere. I walk in the front door, willing to spend dollars and nobody gets my contact oh, information. Gosh. It, it completely baffles me. And I can only imagine you go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. No. Before you get off a call, I think it happens. I mean, it can't be perfect. So there are some people that either don't want to get their contact information or, you know, are very stern, like, well, I just want my price. Okay, well, there's not much you can do. You really right. got to try. And right. those, you know, those are the ones yeah. that are like, yeah. ouch, that really hurts. So one, one maybe final question, how, while you focus your attention on customer and client success, how do you as, as a company celebrate success? Like what's like, as we kind of conclude this, how do you guys think about success internally? Because to me, it sounds like when you have a culture that is really supportive of client success, you must have an underlying value of celebrating success. No, we do. So tell me For a little sure. bit about that. Yeah. So we meet weekly at a sales team, weekly meetings, and we go through all of our numbers for the week. And of course, we have goals we want to hit. And if we're falling a little bit short of that, it's let's talk about it. What did we do? What happened this week? Where can we make adjustments? But if we hit a goal, like it is the last day of the month of February, and we have hit a goal that was brand new for this year, of uh, 25 recurring clients a month, and we just hit it today. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's we want to celebrate. So it's it's a big thing and everybody's talking about it. And yeah, so the owners, I mean, they we do our bowling parties. We do we hit our sales goal for I think for Chief Four of last year. We're still trying to get it on the schedule, but we've had we have a company picnic coming up and then there's we want to do some kind of uh, like a painting party with the staff. Mm. So just all different kinds of ideas. It's different every time we've done the salt room. We've done go get pedicures and just go out to oh. lunch. So there's, there's definitely Hello. celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, very cool. So I guess maybe my final question, and it's kind of a weird question, but it's based on what you said your history was. So I'm going to ask it. 
How is shredding and running a salon similar or different? What what is, is there anything any anything that actually connects those two? Or are they such completely separate worlds that it's not even worthy of answering my question? I mean, they're pretty separate worlds. Um, the type of employees that you have at a hair salon versus you know here in the office at a shredded company, totally night and day. But at the end of the day, you're still providing a service for somebody and you want to do the best that you can. And I think if you truly care about what you're providing, then you're going to provide good service. That's so cool. Bryn, this has been delightful. I am am so grateful that you've come on and shared your perspective, your way of thinking. It's it's really refreshing to hear how you think about it all and what you've done at all points. And really grateful for having you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I can say I have my first podcast under my belt now. Brand new experience for me too. <laughs> you, you are officially a podcaster now. So wow. nice work. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit TomAdams.com for executive coaching, advisory board services, podcasting, training, and more. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new strategies, tips, and ideas from trusted shredding and business professionals.